Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. And this is definitely the dark ages. So this is part two to addictions. Now, addictions is one thing, but getting over them is another. Now, this is going to be about healthy detoxification. Because when you're talking about detoxing from particularly opioids or most narcotics, it can have a negative effect on your heart. So it's hugely important you know that. Now, I'm good, we're going to be talking about this tonight at our two, True Health Tuesdays. Um, we're starting the Dr. BIP, Dr. BVIP.com site next week. We were going to start it this week, but we just got um, about 40 hours worth of content that we want to load on the site because you're going to get all the all the PowerPoints and PDF. That means that you could get them and get the information and share them just like you would on a picture. Um, you're going to get all the handouts, all the censored videos. I mean everything. We could really have a free platform, and it costs two ninety seven a month. Uh, you know, half a cup of coffee. But let's look at at the health of the population because before, because we're going to talk about plant based medicines. And this is going to be ibogaine, 5-O-M-E-O-D-M-T, um, ayahuasca. There's a lot of plant-based medicines. But let's look at the health of the population because you cannot, cannot just get somebody on a detoxing or um, on those plant medicines unless you detox the system. Now, when you look at this, we've got a very sick population. You're talking 60% of the adults have at least one chronic illness or condition. And that's heart disease, cancer, breathing issues, or chronic obsessive pulmonary um, COPD, um, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, strokes, Alzheimer's, type 2 diabetes, all of these things. And if you look at this, I mean, it, this dwarfs um, the pandemic that we're experiencing, okay? I mean, if you're shutting down the entire country for a couple hundred thousand deaths um, that the CDC says 94% did not die from COVID, they died with COVID, and you have 600,000 people dying from cancer, you got 655,000 dying every year from heart disease, we have to look at the heart disease. And hell, we got 54% of our kids with that. So what's going on with our population? It's a stressed population. And there's only three types of stressors. There's physical, chemical, and emotional stress. Now, a true drug rehab is going to be addressing all three of those because, let me tell you, drug addiction started because of those stressors. And to get off of them, you've got you to gotta actively and effectively deal with the physical, chemical, and emotional stressors. That is the key. We know trends in suicidal behavior are literally through the roof. I mean, you're looking at the second leading cause for death in 12 to 18-year-old kids. We, and no wonder. I mean, look at what we're putting them through. And it's going to get worse. When you get these politicians that are so completely disconnected from reality that they talk about, we're going to shut down the economy to save just one life. Uh, yeah, what about the millions of lives that will be destroyed by shutting down the economy? Uh, you know, you're not these, – these people are so disconnected. I really don't think they've ever had an actual job where they had to earn 
produce something, earn money, and then you know, govern with bills, you know, you don't pay them off. <laughs> I mean, it's just, how could they be that insane? Um, but the kid suicide behavior rate is going up, unfortunately. And we're uh, isolating and masking, eliminating uh, social interaction. We're eliminating lunch. We're eliminating recess in schools, in California schools. There's some states that aren't doing insanity. Um, but still, we have to look at it. And uh, so what are there? There are three stressors. We have physical stressors, chemical, and emotional stressors. Now, the physical stressors, your guide, you're going to identify on a digital x-ray is thermography, live blood cell analysis, and autonomic nerve function scans. And the chemical stressors, how to correct that, we've got to clean the arteries heal the gut, correct sleep disorders. That's right, sleep is a chemical stressor. And we've got to literally um, correct nutrient deficiencies, mineral deficiencies, dental toxicities, all of that has to be corrected. Now, when we look at the emotional stressors, again, this has to be corrected because emotions are chemicals secreted by how the brain perceives the environment, not what's actually happening. So we have to get the physical, chemical, and emotional stressors addressed and corrected. And I know it, it's, it sounds crazy. When we look at the, the details of this and, and how my first experience of, of an opioid and cardiac uh, junction was back in the 90s. We were doing a study at Cleveland Chiropractic uh, Los Angeles. And the one of the doctors that was running the study was on cardiac arrhythmias, and he was picking up these heart monitors. And there was a doctor there looking at heart monitors for his drug rehab clinic. And it turned out that a lot of these um, people in drug rehab um, were getting off the opioids, but they would die of heart attacks or have heart attacks. So what was the connection? Well, it's interesting. It has to do with the heart having two nerve supplies. The heart has um, two supplies, one from the parasympathetic and one from the sympathetic nervous system. Now, you have an automatic nervous system, and this is all the automatic functions in the body. One, one part keeps you alive under stress. That's the sympathetics, and that's also called thoracolumbar, or it's located in the rib, rib cage area and goes right up to the top of the lumbar. The other one is called the cranial sacral or parasympathetic nervous system because where is it located? In the upper neck area and in the sacrum. Now, the parasympathetic is like the diesel engine of the heart. The sympathetic is more the reaction where you're going to um, act, uh, act uh, in a quick response. You know, So you don't want impulse control when you're reacting or just trying to survive. Uh, now, it's interesting because there was an, an article in 2013 on the National um, Institute of Health site. I, listen to the title. Evaluation of the Role of Opium Addiction and Acute um, Myocardial Infarction as a Risk Factor. The, the conclusion, um, the results showed that opium addiction is a strong risk factor for myocardial infarction. 
That's because of the way your body handles this. Now, I'm going to show you there's actually a, a mechanism that you can see on x-ray if the patient is under stress or not. And sure enough, here it is. First, parasympathetic. In, in, uh, we look at what's called heart rate variability. And this is one of the most vital tests that we do. But when you look at the blip thing, like if you're looking at a movie that has a heart monitor on it, and that little line is jumping up and down, that line is called the QRS interval, and it's measuring the electrical conductivity of the heart. Now, we measure the height, the width, and the spacing of that over about a three-minute time frame, and that's called heart rate variability. Great article in the journal called Electrocardio, and they talk about how the parasympathetic uh, is also their hormones that they produce are generally in the adrenal cortex. The sympathetic, their hormones are in the adrenal medulla. Um, but nitric oxide uh, it actually is stimulated by this. So anything that helps with nitric oxide production will be good, and that means like nasal breathing and a couple of other things, things that detract from or negatively affect nitric oxide. Uh, it negatively affects your immune system. And so that is going to be huge because that is a substance that you can build up by just breathing through your nose, and you could decrease it by taking blood pressure medications. Now, what they found is that most people with ischemic heart disease, and remember, this is about 60% of our population, uh, they have low-functioning parasympathetic activity and by over 30%. And 80% of the ischemic events, which is less oxygen to the tissue, are preceded by a drastic reduction in parasympathetic activity. So this means that heart has two nerve supplies. One's come out of the base of the neck, and the other comes out of the top of the thoracic area. If you have a structural problem, okay, that's going to interrupt the nerve supply to the heart. Um, I know it sounds like duh, but it's super true because your heart um, has two nerve supplies at parasympathetic and sympathetic. And the cranial nerves, 9 and 10, actually supply that heart. And so any decrease, because that parasympathetic nervous system is the, the um, I mean, just the diesel engine of the heart. The sympathetic, which is the fight or flight, is the quick adaptation of the heart. So we have to look at, at the overall where the body is just, just the way it's supposed to function. Uh, now, it's interesting that n nitrates stimulate uh, nitric oxide. Here's, wait, let me read the title of this article. Medications used in cardiology upregulate the parasympathetic nervous system. Uh, now, aspirin, statin drugs, also stimulate the pro production of nitric oxide. Now, these medications, such as aspirin and statin, have a rebound decrease in these substances, making the parasympathetic actually work. Beta blockers, um, worse. Beta blockers block the sympathetic nervous system, again, increasing heart attack risk. And I know it seems crazy that they'll give a beta blocker for high blood pressure, but it increases heart attack risk. I know it, it doesn't make sense, but... You can't look for logic in the uh, insanity of the medical world. Uh, now, one thing that's censored all the time uh, is vitamin therapy. 
but there really was a and I'll see if this gets by the censors tonight a great article from oregonstate.edu on vitamin C and very very well referenced I mean a uh, couple of meta analysis from 2014 45 for randomized control trials in subjects with chronic disease summarize the effect of supplemental vitamin C on endothelial function. And this is the inside lining of the arteries. And sure enough, they found that with short-term vitamin C supplementation was found to reduce endothelial dysfunction with heart disease and atherosclerosis and diabetes. I, I mean, you might think, well, wait a second, what does that mean? That means vitamin C literally can help with atherosclerotic placking. It can start to eliminate that placking in the body. Uh, and that's huge uh, because with normal uh, nitric oxide levels, um, the, the endothelium or the blood vessels are dependent on vasodilation and because those blood vessels open to get more oxygen in, they close um, to decrease um, blood flow. So you always have this opening and closing of the blood vessels, and it's the nitric oxide that actually helps that process. When we look at, uh, I mean, one of the best researchers out there, and this is um, the National Institute of Health Research um, Health Technology Assessment, and it's the NIHRHTA. That's, that's the... Um, moniker for it. But what they did, they, they tested 100,000 people um, and to see if they put an aspirin. And sure enough, if you had had 100,000 people taking an aspirin, uh, there was about a 10 to 15% drop in coronary artery disease, or about 33 lives would be saved. However, there's a 37% increase in gastrointestinal bleeding and a 38% in hemorrhagic stroke. So you lose about 120 people, but you can save 33. And the Eileen Clark, Professor of Public Health, Director of Warwick Evidence at, at Warwick Medical School, said, quote, clearly there's an incredible fine balance between possible benefits and risk of the intervention. We need to be extremely careful about over-promoting aspirin intervention without having first fully understood these side effects. Brilliant. We know from the University of Alabama that for every one blood pressure drug you take, your risk of stroke goes up by a third. Uh, we know that cholesterol-lowering drugs actually damage the heart, increase heart failure, and cause hardening of the arteries. Uh, we know that cholesterol drugs as well decrease myocardial function, that's the heart muscle function. And we know that the cholesterol-lowering drugs suppress your immune system response. Um, so this is why before you go through a drug rehab, uh, you have got to look at the physical, chemical, and emotional stressors. Like you can't just go to a clinic and start downing ayahuasca or ibogaine or 5-MeO-DNT and looking for a new high or a different high. No, we got to take care of the body first. I mean, if you figure the right drug at the right time and the right dosage uh, kills at least 130,000 people, that's the right drug. And I know that's about half of the inflated COVID totals 
um, and this happens every year. But again, the shutdown is not designed to prevent the spread of a disease. It's designed to control the population and crash the economy so we can do an economic reset. So just just understand what the real purpose of this is. If it was to save lives, um, you know, we could wipe out uh, driving because that's thousands and thousands of people. Of course, loss of transportation would be a big deal. Um, so let's look at the physical manifestations of this. So number one, I'm going to show a couple of p patients one of them who's got loss of curve in the neck, but her heart rate variability showed a very, very low functioning parasympathetic. That is a dangerous circumstance because that means that that person is literally a heart attack waiting to happen. Um, clogged arteries. Uh, okay, so let's look at this. What causes most heart attacks? Well, the theory is that most heart attacks are caused by blocked arteries and plaque builds up in those arteries, and that plaque can get so bad it can limit the flow of oxygen, <clears throat> and then that causes the tissue to not get as much oxygen, and then heart attacks occur. And this is going to be a sudden pain, or you know, um, the, the heart just starts to stop. Now that's the idea. Uh, so the simple solution was to put a balloon in the arteries and expand it. That was angioplasty. Or you can put a wire cage in there called a stent. Or you can graft it or go around it by taking a vein out of the leg and going around an artery. All of those things are pretty aggressive. The problem is that, and that's what, I mean, most cardiac centers are built on, is stents, the angiograms, all of this stuff. I encourage you to look at our heart health videos because we talk about the lack of science behind that. But going way back to the 70s, um, and this was uh, published in uh, Berlin Heidelberg in New York in 1974, quote, the first major autopsy study of patients dying with myocardial infarction was carried out in Heidelberg in the 1970s. The study found that sufficient thrombosis to cause uh, the heart attack was found in only 20% of the cases. That means going way back to the 70s, 80% of all the cases didn't have enough um, arteries to be clogged to cause the heart attack. Then there was another article in Bioscience in 2004. The largest study ever fund, um, found a sufficient thrombosis in only 41% of the cases. So you're looking at nearly 60% of all cases in one study, 80% of cases in the other, didn't have enough clogged arteries. So th this is a huge factor that has to do with um, the nerve supply to it. Now, when we look at the sensors that you have, uh, so we know that, that medications can clog arteries. We know that you have sensors in your neck that regulate carbon dioxide. In fact, it's right in the middle of your neck, right at the junction of the blood vessel that supplies the artery. It's called the carotid artery. And it splits into internal and external carotid, so one goes on the face, one goes deep into the brain. And at that junction are sensors that they're a chemoreceptor, so it senses carbon dioxide levels, and a pressure receptor, so it senses... Um, the blood pressure. So if carbon dioxide levels go up, 
the heart rhythm increases to get the blood to those lungs faster to get rid of the carbon dioxide. Um, when the carbon dioxide levels go down, then the heart rate slows down. So you're, you, you're raising and lowering carbon dioxide in order to affect the pH. Uh, no, don't ask about what happens if you put a mask on and you keep rebreathing in the carbon dioxide. Well, it's obviously not good for you. But also, glyphosates, and this is huge. This is why you cannot just jump into the plant-based medicines. You've got to um, look at glyphosates. Now, this impairs your body's ability to transport sulfates. It's also um, glyphosate, which is the, the number one herbicide that's sprayed on genetically modified crops, and even crops that are not genetically modified. It's used as a desiccant, or it destroy, it, it's used to kill the plants, so the plants give up their seeds. Now, um, this is huge because there's two classes of molecules that transport sulfates. One is cholesterol, vitamin D, and all sex hormones. The other, you have neurotransmitters. So glyphosates limit the body's ability to transfer sulfates. This means um, dopamine, melatonin, serotonin, adrenaline, all of those are going to be negatively affected by, by that uh, glyphosates. And glyphosate is a mineral chelator. So if you're losing the minerals, you cannot get the vitamins. So, um, because without minerals, you can't utilize vitamins. So, again, this is why we have to detox the system. Now, um, here, I'm looking at, at this one uh, article. I'm trying to think if I should leave that in or not. But now, um, we're going to present a number of different um, uh, case studies tonight. And we're going to, again, more... Uh, validate that you got to detox the system first, but also looking at the mechanical distortion of the spine causing the damage. Uh, so what we have to talk about now is vitamin therapy, plant-based medicines. What we cannot talk about is vaccines, COVID, or medical hazards. Those are all going to be censored by the Ministry of Truth. And this is uh, vital because when we look at the suicide rate under active troops, and this means that our military is committing suicide at the greatest rate that it ever has. And this is dangerous because you're talking young guys. And these young guys, they are addicted because they're getting beat up over there. And they're getting, they are part of the opioid crisis where if you need to function and you're in pain, you're going to give a pain reliever. But the, the rate is getting astronomical. I mean, it's, it's more than, than a suicide a day. Now, how is this um, affecting the brain? Well, the brain is laid out in a certain pattern. You have a number of different lobes, and the frontal lobe, which is involved in anxiety, stress, depression, and impulse control, is literally controlled by the cerebellum. So that means any physical trauma <coughs> is going to alter that frontal lobe function, and this is where that's those suicides start. Now, we, there's also the gut-brain connection. This is why the glyphosates have to be detoxed, where you've got to heal the gut because that enteric brain, that gut-brain connection, if you've been exposed to toxic foods or hormones or toxic environmental influences, um, that's where your, your brain isn't going to have an issue. 
And think of this, the enteric brain, the second brain consists of neurons embedded in the long tube of your gut. Uh, some of them contain 100 million neurons, even more than the spinal cord or the peripheral nervous system. Now, 90% of the nerves that figure everything that's done in the digestive tract is generally done by the vagus nerve. And this means the excretions, everything. 90% of that nerve is sending its information back up to the brain. So there's a huge afferentation of that or sensory input into the brain. They even call it the gut-brain axis or GBA. And it's a bi-directional communication from the central nervous system to the enteric. Now this links emotional, cognitive centers, peripheral intestinal functions. So if we're talking about suicide, suicidal thoughts, but also addictions and the cause of addictions, what drives addictions, you have to look at the gut-brain connection. That's why you've got to heal it. Now, we know, according to this article, Trends in Neuroscience 2016, um, psychobiotics and manipulation of bacteria gut-brain signals did a great, great study on how you change the gut flora and it affects the brain. And they were using rodent stress. So they're actually stressing out little tiny rats and mice and finding out that if you change the gut flora, you change their response to stress. But also, we're looking at Lou Gehrig's disease, autism, Alzheimer's, bacterial infections, diabetes. All of these have shown a positive change if you change the gut flora. And you might say, well, wait a second, Alzheimer's, infections, diabetes? Yeah, these are all stress responses. So you've got to heal the gut in order to heal the brain. And when we're talking addictions, that is vital that you understand that connection. You cannot go in when you're using plant-based medicines and, and trade one drug for another drug. That doesn't work that way. And um, again, great article from OregonState.edu, but you know this may be censored when we talk about it on video but talks about how coronary heart disease is characterized by a buildup of plaque and that taking the vitamin C uh, <laughs> is inversely associated here. Let me read this article, okay, um, with the coronary heart disease uh, risk factor. So that means if you take vitamin C, your risk of coronary heart disease is lower. I, it's like, wow, that's nice, non-toxic, let's take it. But also, there's a great article from EPUB, 2018. Uh, the title of the article is A Case Report, a SPECT Study, and Theoretical Rationale for Sequential Administration of IB, Ibogaine and 5-MeO-DMT in the Treatment of Alcohol Use Disorder. And what's neat is they gave... The ibogaine. Ibogaine is an African plant, fantastic for ad addictions. 5-MeO-DMT is frog venom. Again, fantastic for addictions. But they're giving this and looking at how the person's brain was, how the brain actually responded. Because these drugs, they don't have an addictive quality. They're, they're plant-based medicines. And they're called adaptogens. The reason this is so hard for the medical world to understand is because, well, the medical world, frankly, lies to themselves. And think of this. Okay, if you have a drug, you're going to give that drug because it has a certain effect. 
and this effect is supposed to be similar in most people. So if you have a pain reliever, you give it to somebody who has pain, and they start to feel better. Um, except on that is side effects. And that means that each chemical you give a human being, each person is going to metabolize that and have a slightly different effect. Okay, now these drugs, okay, or plant-based medicines, they're adaptogens. They give the body what it needs. And this is where medical science has a real challenge with this because they're looking for the, the, the single effect, single drug, single vaccine, single whatever, and human beings don't work that way. And since it's a lie, then the medical world made up and they called them side effects, not effects because no drug has a side effect. They all have effects. Well, the adaptogens are, are plant-based medicines and herbs that will adapt to each person individually. So it literally gives the person what you need. Now, um, again, another, another article, and this is a brilliant one, describing how, how they gave an alcoholic these drugs and found a fantastic result. Also, um, another article, this one um, psychologist, uh, Wiley Gray, Dr. Gray, brilliant guy. And they're using psychedelics to treat post-traumatic stress disorder. I mean, just amazing. We're going to have all of these um, and a lot more tonight. Um, it's, uh, we're going to have a number of PowerPoints. We're going to have everything. Hopefully it won't be too censored. But check out that Dr. B, it's www.drbvip.com site, and we are going to have that site loaded with uh, lots of dynamic information that you could share, copy, whatever. We just got to change the world. Does Dr. John Bergman, your health advocate, uh, God bless you, and I love you. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.